Welcome to Meet the Buyer Sessions. I'm Heather, the founder of Sourcing Playground. And in these sessions, we talk to industry experts to help buyers and companies sourcing and developing products. I'm here today with Ben, co-founder of ingodocs.com, the online software that streamlines the shipping and documentation process. In this session, we'll be discussing the process for a buyer to ship their goods, where to go and who can help. Especially for those first-time buyers, the world of shipping can be very daunting. Things like duty costs, custom fees, freight forwarders, and we'll be covering all these topics in this session. Thanks very much for joining us today, Ben. Thanks, Heather. It's great to be here. So tell us a bit about your background and your experience in the field. Yeah, okay. So I started my career in importing uh, about 10 years ago. I started working for a trading company that specialised in sourcing uh, manufactured products from factories throughout Asia and factories throughout China. So that gave me a lot of experience when it comes to, you know, traveling to China and, and dealing with the right factories, finding the right products, um, and then arranging all of the shipping and, and clearance through to customers. So I, I did that for about four years. And then uh, my co-founder and I, we started our own imports business where we specialized in sourcing um, new products from factories throughout China and, and streamlining the whole process from purchasing through to shipping and customs clearance for customers all around Australia. So um, yeah, and that's uh, been about 10 years now. So um, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, so it's great to talk to someone that's been, you know, has had the experience for such a long time and you've gone through the process for not only yourself, but for customers, you've had a real insight into sort of the challenges and, you know, where to go and how to sort of move and ship products. So, yeah, so let's, um, let's start from the beginning. So let's say for our buyers who have found a supplier and are getting their products manufactured and mm -hmm. they're in the process of developing their products and now they need to think about, okay, I need to get them shipped. What do they need to do first? So can you just walk us through the process of, okay, where do they need to go and what's the, what are the things they need to consider? Okay, yep. So if their new buyer has uh, found suppliers and they've, they've negotiated their products and got their quotes for their products, um, the first thing they should do is start looking into all of the other associated costs along the supply chain. Um, so I would recommend to meet with a freight forwarding company and that freight forwarding company will be able to give you rates for, for the additional costs. And there are so many additional costs involved in the supply chain. Um, it's important that you actually understand what they are so that you know that your actual landed cost of your product and if that works for your business. So um, I would recommend to find a freight forwarder and a good freight forwarder. Um, there are different types of freight forwarders. There are very large companies that, that generally deal with large companies and then there are medium-sized freight forwarders and then smaller freight forwarders um, I suggest that you, you meet you actually physically meet with a freight forwarder and understand to give them insight into your business tell tell them the products you're looking to import and explain as much as you can and then they can get back to you with um, shipping costs amazing so could you suggest and when you going back to your um, point about calculating your costs involved could you give us an understanding of okay how would a buyer calculate the shipping costs and what are the things they need to consider and um what what are the ingredients and what they need to consider for the landed costs 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a very, very important part. Um, and I would suggest that people completely understand their landing costs before going ahead with any new shipment or any new order. Um, so as I mentioned, there are a lot of additional costs involved along the supply chain. And at first it can look quite confusing, um, but it, it can be easier to understand when you break it down into components. So firstly, um, you've been talking to your supplier and they've given you a quotation for products, say for example, a 20 foot container of um, furniture products and they've quoted you say FOB at Shanghai port, for example. Um, that's the cost of your products. When you meet with a freight forwarding company, they will, gen they will give, give you quotations for a lot of different charges. Um, one part of that is the international sea freight. So that's from port to port. That's from the Shanghai port through to your port of delivery, wherever you are in the world. And then there will also be a, a lot of additional charges and it can seem confusing. There can be a lot of line items, but there will be a lot of charges in your country of import. Um, and, and they will be in your local currency. Um, and then the other part to it is making sure that you understand your import duties that are charged on those products. Um, they could be duty free. They could have 5% import duty, 10% or more. It's very, very important that you know that because that affects your landed cost. And then the other part to it is the import taxes that are charged on those goods when they come in. So there's, there's four main parts to the process is your, your product cost and your shipping sea freight cost is generally um, in US dollars. And then you've got your local, all of your local hand, port handling costs, customs, clearance, trucking, etc. That all of those costs will be in your local currency. So what you've got to do is take your, your product and shipping costs, know your actual exchange rate and convert that to your local currency. Then you add your local uh, port handling customs clearance costs, all of those local charges. You've got to split that up over your products. So um, it can be done in a few different ways um, and it depends on the type of cargo or, or the quantity. Um, say for example, you've got um, 200 items of a, of a dining chairs in a, in a container. You can get the total of those additional costs and spread them out evenly over 200 items. Um, if you're mixing items of different size, which you usually are, you'll have to work out the cubic measurement of each item. And as a total, you know, um, take the costs of all those extra charges and split them out on a cubic measurement basis. Um, and that can get quite technical, obviously. Um, I mean, where would uh, a buyer get all these measurements from? Is it something that they can talk to their freight forwarder or their supplier? How would they, how would they go about sort of calculating this, the measurements? Um, it's always something that the supplier should provide you. So when you're in the sourcing process and your suppliers are giving you quotations for goods, um, it's important that you get the, the cubic measurement and weight of each product so that you know which is greater. If, if your products weigh out, you know, it maxes out the weight in the container, well then you know you can split up your additional costs by weight. Um, but yeah, definitely your supplier should give you a cubic measurement of each item. That way you can get the total of all the additional costs and, and split them up evenly depending on how big they are. And then in terms of actually get them shipped, they would take this information and assume 
go and speak to their freight forwarder and go through all of the process and explain, you know, when you go and meet a freight forwarder, what are the, the key takeaways that you should, you know, be finding out for your own shipment and your own, you know, it's your own experience. It's great to know these things for your own shipping. Yeah. So one of the biggest things with meeting with a freight forwarder is, is to make sure that they are, um, they care enough about your business. Um, as I mentioned earlier, some freight forwarding companies are huge. You know, you've got your, your DHLs of the world and they're, and they're only set up for dealing with big companies. And if, if you're a small business, you're not going to get the, any level of service that you need. You're not going to yeah. be dealing with the same person each time. So highly recommend that you actually sit down and meet with maybe two or three freight forwarders and ex explain to them in detail the products you're wanting to import, where they're coming from, where you need them trucked through to, how often you'll be ordering them, ask them then about their rates for, for the sea freight, the shipping part, the rates for the, the local charges, um, and get that feeling for that person that you're going to deal with. Because um, there will be times where you have odd questions or you ha have small issues with shipments and you need an answer straight away and you need it quickly, otherwise it's going to hold things up. So, yeah, really... A, pick a forwarder that, um, that you trust and is going to give you a high level of service. Uh, but B, make sure you know, that their rates are competitive, but that they can explain those rates so that you can actually break them down um, and work out what your landed cost is before you proceed with an import. Yeah, that's so true about building a relationship. And I guess, you know, um, it goes through into the whole sourcing development process is that, you know, spend time on building personal relationships with any company you're using is invaluable, I guess. Um, and from, say, for example, you're a completely first-time buyer and you have no idea on the different types of companies you need to be talking to, you know, can you explain a bit about the difference between, you know, the FedEx of the world, the DHL, what, would, what differentiates these guys to things like freight forwarders and who would, who would I need to be talking to to move actual products and shipments? Yep, well, it's, there's, some people believe that um, they think they, they need to be dealing direct with shipping lines. and. It, that, that's not the case. When you're a small business, you're not moving any volume. You, you can't deal with the shipping line. They don't want to deal with you. Um, you have to deal with the freight forwarder, which connects the dots. They deal with everybody. They deal with the shipping lines and the customs clearance and the trucking, give you an all-in-one solution. Um, as I mentioned, for the larger companies, the DHLs, um, if you're only a small business, you're not going to get that service. Um, if, if you are a small business, there, there are medium sized freight forwarders and even smaller freight forwarders, um, that are only three or four people teams that provide really, really good service. So, um, yeah, it's a matter of just meeting with the right people and, and making sure that they care about your business and yeah. are going to give you that, that tailored service. And would you recommend having a freight forwarder? You know, say you, you actually would like to go with someone that's just a three man person. Is there any benefit of having them in, you know, your, the current country where you are or do they need to be based elsewhere? Are there any benefits of these guys being located at different places or is it better for them to be actually closer to the products or is there any benefits where they're located? Where should a buyer be looking for? Um, well, I definitely recommend that they are based in your country, you know, that they have a strong presence or an office within your country of import. Um, it, doesn't necessarily have to be down the road or even in your same city. I mean, I've, I've dealt with um, many freight forwarders before that are in the same country, um, but 
they've provided such a good service that they've always called you and emailed you and been on top of every little detail that you, you've got that service, you've got those updates that you need. So um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend dealing with somebody overseas because they're, they're not going to be as familiar with all of the legal and customs requirements in your country. Um, when it comes to clearing the cargo and sometimes when you're importing different types of cargo, um, they, re they really need to understand the local laws and regulations and, and give you good advice. And someone overseas might not be as familiar with that. Yeah, definitely. And um, moving back to sort of the actual process of moving the products, one thing that, you know, there's a term that goes around are the INCO terms. Could you explain for someone what they are, what are the sort of normal commentary terms that people should be aware of and, you know, give us an idea of what they mean and what they mean for a buyer? Yeah, well, INCO terms are an extremely important part of the process. Um, and it's, in my opinion, it's one of the first things that new buyers um, should learn and understand how it works. Um, you don't have to understand it in really finer detail, but at a high level, um, say I'm an importer and I'm sourcing uh, a 20 foot container of products. During that quotation and negotiation process, the supplier will give me pricing. And, but what does that pricing mean? Is that X works? Is that FOB? That's where the INCO terms come into it. So for example, Two of the most common terms is XWorks, EXW, and what that means is that the supplier has given you pricing for their product, generally in US dollars, let's say, and that only covers the cost of the product until it leaves their warehouse. As soon as it leaves their warehouse, all of the additional local charges, export, customs, clearance, freight, everything else afterwards is now the buyer's responsibility. So. An INCO term is at a set point where the goods legally, um, the risk and the transfer of ownership and, and the ongoing charges will transfer from the buyer to the seller. Mm -hmm. So XWorks is one of the most common terms. Also um, FOB, which is free on board, is um, quite a streamlined INCO term, which is very popular around the world. So. In that case, the supplier will give a 20-foot container FOB price free on board to, say, Shanghai port. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is that the supplier will cover all costs of the product, all of the internal costs in their country to get export cleared, to get the containers delivered, to get the containers packaged and loaded and loaded all the way up to the port and loaded on board the actual vessel for export. So then... Once that's done, legally, um, you know, that, that risk then transfers onto the buyer. The buyer then owns the cargo and the buyer is then responsible for the cargo and all extra charges after that point. So um, it's, it's definitely one thing that you need to understand firstly because you need to communicate that with your freight company. They'll need to know what INCO term you're buying on and I definitely recommend, if you can, is to get an FOB uh, quote to their nearest port and, and that will help you streamline a lot of the a lot of the part of the freight process I guess obviously this makes a massive difference on pricing for example you know if a supplier is paying for extra shipping and shipping either way for free on board as you say all the way to your front door obviously that will take a um, hit on the pricing you get so I guess a big point to our buyers is the fact that do your research find out what responsibility you lie and obviously then you can negotiate pricing better 
Um, and then talking about, you mentioned about responsibility, which is really important actually, because there's uh, things like insurance um, and different things along the shipping lines. Are there any things that um, buyers should be aware of and um, what type of insurances they need? Do they need insurance and where can they go to get this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely recommend to for the buyer to get marine insurance, but it does actually depend on that inco term that's agreed between the buyer and the seller. Um, right. it's, it's very important that the buyer understands the inco term and when that point is that the risk transfers onto them because um, some people overlook it and they, and they purchase they purchase new products overseas and and they forget to arrange the marine insurance so that they are liable for those products if those products get damaged if the if the container gets dropped or the container gets destroyed or falls off the side of a boat they're, they're not going to get any money back whatsoever and it actually puts them in a very bad position when it comes to insurance so um all shippers should reach out and find again in the case of a freight forwarding company um find a marine insurance specialist i mean not not just any general um, insurance company they're not they're not going to understand marine insurance if if anything at all um, so a marine insurance broker will understand your case, sit down with them, tell them the inco term you're buying the goods on, um, explain to them your business, how often you'll be buying the goods, how you're shipping them in, where you need them delivered, and they will be able to give you a, a tailored pricing. Um, sometimes if you're not shipping huge volumes, they can give you once-off covers. Um, but if you are uh, shipping four to six shipments a year or more, um, they might recommend for you to get an annual marine insurance cover, which, which will cover it for the year. Mm. And I guess, the, you know, there's so many different costs, as you mentioned before, about different custom tariffs and import costs, duty costs, and it can get a little bit overwhelming. Obviously, as you say, depending on where, what type of pricing you have will depend on the tax that you have to pay, basically. So where would you suggest a buyer go to find out this information? Is there sort of one site that they can have a look at to say, okay, if I'm moving stock from country A to country B, what's the type of tariffs and costs I'm looking for? Is where, what would you, what would you give as advice for someone looking at that process? Yeah, it, it's a very, very common question. People are trying to find this out all the time. Um, and yes, the important thing to understand is that the import duty and import tax does vary absolutely for every single country. But the single common thing that is the same is the unique identifier of the product. So that is the, the harmonized tariff system code. It's either abbreviated as a HS code mm -hmm. or a HTS code. And the, the, the importer will need to, um, find out what that HS code of the product is. And mm -hmm. there's a few ways they can do this. Um, online, I've come across a website called Harmonized Tariff Schedule, where you can type in a description of your products, and then it's a searchable database where you can classify the products and, and for yourself try and distinguish which category they fall under. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd highly recommend that you actually and again, this comes back to meeting with a good freight forwarder is speak to your freight forwarder about it. Um, and they will generally have a customs department, a customs broker department 
And those customs brokers are highly trained in identifying the HS code um, and, and they will make that process a lot easier. So they'll be able to identify the code is the first thing. Once you've done that, they should come back to you and say, okay, for each product, this is the HS code and this is the percentage of import duty that's applicable when you import it into the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it varies for every product. Uh, the import duty varies for every product. Um, and I, I guess this is really important to do like right at the early stages because obviously this dictates the pricing you're going to have and I guess sort of how you negotiate with your supplier, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, before, before you do it, before you even thinking about placing an order, you should definitely know this. I mean, I, I would, um, you can still source new suppliers and, and get pricing and quotes back from them. But as soon as you've got that, you've, you've got to start looking into your landed cost. And um, as you say, that there are so many additional charges and if you're not aware of them, I mean, I, you can't go in blind. You, you, I've, I've, talked, I've talked to a lot of people in the past where they've just ordered goods from overseas. They haven't understood the Ingo term. They've received a container that's been held up at customs and they've got, they've got tax an invoice for, <laughs> they've got, what are these taxes? Yeah. What are these duties? Yeah. What are these charges? And um, it's quite silly and quite naive of somebody to do that. But so you've, you've, you've got to understand your actual freight costs, the actual import duty, and how the tax is added to that at the end. So um, definitely do not go ahead with anything before you do that and, and meet with a good freight forward that's going to help you help you through these processes. Biggest tip of the video, do all the calculations before ordering. Well, that's the biggest point. <laughs> you don't want a big tax bill when you've moved the stock into your country. <laughs> so going back to the documentations and when you're talking about ordering, obviously there's lots of different back and forths. You've got purchase orders and lots of different documents through the through the whole process. Can mm-hmm. you explain them and sort of what do they need to know beforehand? Is there anything they can prepare and yeah, just walk us through that process? Yeah, absolutely. So in the inquiry stage, um, the suppliers will be sending you just basic quotations for their goods. Um, that will include the INCO terms and that sort of thing. Uh, if you want to place an order, you, you can, the importer as a buyer, you should be sending a purchase order document to confirm your order. And then the supplier will send a pro forma invoice to request payment for that deal. Um, they, the supplier will go away and manufacture the products, pack it, get it shipped. Once it's shipped, um, it's their responsibility to pass off to you, to the buyer, um, the shipping documentation as soon as possible. So that shipping documentation includes uh, one uh, bill of lading which is essentially a, a receipt, uh, a proof of shipment that the goods have been actually loaded on board the vessel on, on this date and time and it's, it's a proven receipt from the shipping line. Two is a commercial invoice, which is a detailed invoice with the value of the products, generally the HS codes um, and, and who it's being sold to. And then the packing list, which is a detailed document uh, stating how those goods are packaged inside the container, either on, on pallets or crates or cartons or whatever. So they're, they're the three main types of documents, but in, in any different case, there can be others. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, a packing declaration is, is a document the supplier sometimes has to give to 
to state the types of packaging materials that have been used inside the shipment. So that's to, to ensure that they haven't used any raw timbers or, or, you know, bark material that's been used in the packaging that can have hold insects and hold disease in the country on the other, other no side. No illegal stuff. No, exactly. So that's another document. And another important document is, which is becoming more and more popular now is the certificate of origin. And that is a document the supplier will give to the buyer, which states that the products sold have actually been manufactured in that country of export. So why that matters is so that if the country of export and the country of import have a current free trade agreement in place, if the supplier gives that certificate of origin, that can reduce the import duties that the buyer has to pay when they clear the goods, or in some cases it can eliminate the import duties. So it's very important that, yeah, if, if your country that you're, you're buying from and the country that you're um, bringing your goods into have a free trade agreement, that's great. Make sure your supplier gives you a certificate of origin. They, they actually have to get that. Yeah. you, You need that to get the benefit and, and they need to, actually get that from their local chamber of commerce. They have to sign and stamp that certificate um, and, and you can use that to, to save money, yeah. So is that something that a buyer has to ask or, um, for example, should that be um, given as a standard from the supplier? No, you shouldn't assume that the supplier <laughs> will give it to you um, because, you know, that they one factory can export to, you know, so many different countries that, they're not aware of these free trade agreements all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they probably should be, but don't, don't rely on them doing this. I mean, it's, if you've met with your freight forwarder, they should be telling you this. You've got a free trade agreement to make sure you ask your supplier for a certificate of origin. Um, they, they should be familiar with how to get it, but if not, tell them to, to go to their local chamber of commerce and, and get that certificate of origin stamped. Mm-hmm. And is that um, that's per product and not for shipment? That the certificate of origin is on each product level. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, the certificate of origin, one certificate of origin from one supplier, mm-hmm. will group together the products they have supplied. So, if they've supplied four or five or ten different products, that one certificate will cover all of that, and that that can be used in the, in the import process. And I guess obviously this is, you know, the documentation process through the whole whole shipment can be quite confusing. It's quite long. And so this leads us into a bit about IncoDocs. So tell us a bit about what you guys do and how you can help in this process. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, w- I guess we created IncoDocs because through our own experience, through buying goods out of Asia, um, the whole shipping documentation part was broken. Um, you'd get suppliers that would just send you terrible documents that were made in Microsoft Word and Excel and just strung together and hoping that that would be okay for customs clearance into your country. And such an, for such an important thing to get it wrong, um, you know, it costs, costs so much money and causes so many problems. It can hold up shipments. It can cause fines, delays, misshipments, all sorts of stuff. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, basically from running our own business, we're having, having these issues. We looked into the market and didn't see any good solution. 
So we started developing software. Um, so that's uh, what has become Incodocs. And what it does is it allows uh, importers and exporters to connect, mm -hmm. um, to create one, compliant shipping documents so that you know the documents you are creating or the documents your supplier is creating, they're actually to a set United Nations standard that they are going to meet compliance. They're not going to cause problems when you try to clear them into your country. Um, and it also allows um, shippers to create documents 10 times faster because th there's all these documents that need to be created along the way and it's just data that's being retyped all the time, all the time, every yeah. time. So using EncoDocs, you create one document um, and you can basically, it's copied data that can be transferred onto all documents, save mm -hmm. your time, um, and you can, you can share it with whoever you need, um, you know, before you have to. And it, it just solves so many it issues. It saves so much time through the whole process and not having, you know, members of, you know, lots of your team spending hours and hours inputting data and spending time sending yeah. documents. This would be a lifesaver. So yeah. walk us through the process. You know, a buyer comes onto your site and they've got goods on order, for example, or they're going through the ordering process. Explain how they physically, how do they use your site? How, how would it work? Okay, so if you're a buyer and, and you're purchasing goods, mm -hmm. you can log on to IncoDocs on our website, IncoDocs.com, and create a purchase order document. That's, that's the document the importer will create. So they will send that order document, share it to their supplier on the system, and then from that purchase order, the supplier can then instantly create a pro forma invoice back to you with using the same information um, without retyping information for you to confirm. So then they'll get the goods un underway, they'll start manufacturing the goods, and when the goods are shipped, uh, the, the exporter, the supplier, they can log into IncoDocs again where they're connected to your portal and they can create all of the additional shipping documents they need to give you in time before that shipment arrives. So. Um, it, it, it's got benefits for both importers and exporters to get the documents created in time and whoever's creating the documents can, can do them really quickly and, and know that they're doing them correctly. And I guess it's great rather than sending all these via email, which is usually quite inconsistent. You have to copy in so many people and it get quite messy. I guess it's just one place for both, both parties and both sides and within their own teams and within their own companies, they can access all this with these documents collaboratively I guess it's really tries to streamline that process yeah absolutely it's the, and that's what it's all about it's all about storing everything in one place um, mm -hmm. everything is lost over emails I mean email yeah. trials people are wasting time searching for updates for shipments searching for documents um, and as at a company level especially if you've got a lot of orders placed at the same time uh, there's the industry lacks a lot of visibility into where your orders are at and you know just the manager has to keep asking people where it's at whereas they've got a, they've got a shared login they yeah. can log in they can see the status of all their orders they can access the shipping documents if they need and they can see all the comments and updates about their shipments um, and if, if somebody's sick and away in that company and is halfway through an order there's there's nothing worse than somebody trying to pick up from where they're at so so it really gives company, um, you know, one secure place to, to store all their trade documentation. Yeah, definitely. Even from my experience, I've when sort of the person that's dealing with all the shipment goes on holiday, sort of 
everything yeah. stands still and you have to sort of, well, documents are sent, you have to just wait, things are held up. And it's just from a company-wide level that requires, you know, stock to be moved on time. Everything is quite um, time sensitive in this industry. You know, mm. you can't have delays. So having everything in one place is, is really fantastic. So it's great to see you guys sort of tackling that issue. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, that's, that's good. Yeah. So just to wrap it up then, so what would you say is for a first time buyer or best advice would you give people for starting out? What do they need to do and how can they prepare themselves? Okay, so when it comes to dealing with sourcing suppliers, I would definitely recommend that you compare at least five suppliers quotations. Always compare quotes, get a feel for the market. And, and don't go with the cheapest option. If uh, it, it's cheap for a reason, just stay away. Um, before, before going ahead with any orders, I would make sure you get samples, actual samples from the suppliers for the product that you need so that you can touch it, you can feel it, you can test it and know that it, it's, it's good for, what, for, for your market. Um, don't ever order anything without understanding your landed costs of your product. Um, again, meet with a good freight forwarding company, sit down with them, let them understand your business and, and get them to explain to you, um, the additional costs of sea freight, the costs of the local customs clearance and local port charges and trucking charges, understand the import duty, if any, that's on your goods and it, and the import tax on your goods. So if you understand those costs, you can calculate that over your product and understand your landed costs that will make that will give you the information to make the decision should i should i order these goods or not are they cheap enough or are they not um and then i would recommend that um yeah that your suppliers are, are creating compliant shipping documents i mean it's it's cost us so much time and money um when you get it wrong so you just make sure that your suppliers know what they're doing, that they transfer good documents on time so that everything gets cleared and, um, and everybody's happy. Well, fantastic. Thanks very much, Ben. You've given some like really fantastic insight and really actionable tips for our listeners. So thank you very much. And thanks very much for your time. Okay. No problem. Well, thanks for everyone for watching from meet the buyer sessions. Thanks very much.